How's it everyone and welcome back. Another week of you, me and MotoGP podcast. It's great to be back. This is our Silverstone edition and there's so much to talk about. Not all good, but we'll get a little bit into that. Uh, very exciting weekend. Mixed conditions always make for exciting weekends, I guess. And yeah, Nike, welcome back. Did you enjoy Silverstone? Yes, happy to be back. It was definitely opposite race week this week where... The sky was green and the grass was blue and Pekka could touch the green without getting any penalty. I'm glad you, you teed that up so nicely for me because that's one of the first things I want to talk about. And I guess it is opposite, opposite weekend because we saw Alex Mark is winning instead of Mark. So I think there's a few pundits out there that predicted Alex would win a, win a race this year before Mark. Technically, I think we can't call it a race. It's called the, the Tiso Sprint, but in our eyes, it's a bunch of guys lining up up riding is a race so i'm gonna call it a race i don't care what the rules are i'm breaking them today guys something we want to chat to you guys about uh right at the beginning of the podcast is shot brew so just to give you guys a little bit of an update we recently under the advice from a social media manager or someone that does this professionally changed our name from you me and motor gp podcast on socials to shot brew our podcast name stayed the same our podcast is still you me and motor gp we just changed our media name, our social media name, for it to be a little bit shorter. It makes it easier with merchandising and that type of stuff. So, please, nothing has changed. You, me, and MotoGP is still available on Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, all the all the platforms that it previously was available on. Nothing has changed in that regard. We've just changed it to shot through. So, yeah, we just wanted to sort that out, guys. If you don't follow us on socials, please give us a like and a follow on social media. Like I said, it's called Shot Brew, and you can get all the latest updates and anything needed on them. While we're talking about Facebook, I, th- I guess we should get this out of the way now. Facebook recently placed us in a little bit of a, let's call it Facebook jail, in a ban. So we weren't able to post for three days, and after that we've noticed we're not able to share any posts for now. We're not able to post any media, which kind of sucks. We've got a few people from meta helping us out and trying to sort it out but it seems like for now this is going to last another 22 days but our website is still up and running everything's fine on there if you guys want all the latest news please remember to bookmark our website www.shot-brew.co.za but yeah we'll be sharing some facebook content uh, through my personal profile so keep keep your eyes out on our social media we'll still be on there and we'll still be giving you guys the latest news and gossip and memes and whatever the hell, all the stuff is we actually do on that page because it's it's definitely not a very serious media page. It's a little bit of everything. So let's go then straight into racing. Shanae, you teed it up perfectly for me. Bengnaya touching the green. Salty South Africans is something that is popular in sport. You know, you watch rugby with me. South Africans have this tag where if we complain about the referee, we are called salty South Africans because we can't take a loss. But honestly, this is now, it's ridiculous. There's clear footage of Pekka Benyaya touching the green on the last lap. When we saw Brad Binder do this in Assam, they immediately gave him a penalty and demoted him. Not once, but twice. Now they're saying that the senses didn't go off. That's why there's no long lap. How do we know if senses are placed in the right place, or in the right positions? Is it the luck of the draw? If there's clear video footage of Pekka Bengai touching the ring, don't you think it was supposed to be a penalty as well? How do you feel about this? Or 
am I just a salty South African? I don't think we could call it being salty, but I think we can just call it being fair. I mean, Peko touched it as much as Brad did. I mean, none of us really picked it up until after footage. And then afterwards he was told no. And whether it was census picking it up or not, it was clear on the video that the fans were sharing that he did touch it. And I feel like it was actually a bit more. It was a very much more of a clear line he was crossing on the green than Brad's like inches of the side of his tires touching it. So I feel like that penalty should have been awarded waiting for sensors to pick it up or not. The stuff should be working. It should be in line because it's costing people podium positions. I have to say, I agree with you 100%. In 2023, how are we living in a world where a professional sport like MotoGP can't get something as simple as that right? Honestly, it's the footage is there. He touched the green. There should be a demotion. That is the rule. We saw it apply to Brad Binder. We shouldn't be spending time on this podcast having to debate about this. It should be a clear-cut thing. But that just, it creates another wormhole because now I see a lot of people are, are, are speaking about is there unfair bias towards Spanish and Italians? And that that's not something that MotoGP, I think, wants to get, I want to say, tagged or into. It's very, it's very frustrating when it's, when you see something like that happens because it does open those conversations and those wormholes and these MotoGP stewards always ask for consistency. It's such a simple thing. Um, yeah, well, the worst part is they did review the footage afterwards because obviously this is a fast pace and they're relying on sensors to pick up certain stuff because, I mean, the human eye can't catch all these errors. But for them to say there's no conclusive evidence that he did touch the green when it's been zoomed in on several videos all over social media i mean this is like complete insanity like if i was any other rider team i would fight this because this is now really unfair where there is footage and your senses and your technology let you down i 110 percent agree with you it is clear and open bias that even after reviewing the footage we as the common people the naked eye the blurred videos on Facebook can see touch the green. Those guys have every angle in HD and they want to tell me that after a review he didn't touch the green. That is bullshit. There's no other way to tell it. I don't know why they made that decision. I don't know whether it's a conscious decision they're trying to help Pekka, but it's it's ridiculous. And MotoGP, this is not the way we're going to grow to the sport, honestly. Thank you. Something else I forgot to mention in the beginning of the podcast. I just want to give a massive, massive shout out to Pin the Gas, Chris and Jules. We, our podcast is a little late this week because we actually joined them on theirs on Sunday. It was so much fun. The guys from America, if you guys do enjoy our podcast or podcast in general, give them a like and a follow as well. They're on all socials and streaming platforms. It's called Pin the Gas. It's a podcast on all things motorsport where we focus a little bit more only on MotoGP. These guys chat about BSB, they chat about Moto America, Moto 3, Moto 2, everything motorcycling in general they've got immense motorcycle knowledge and definitely please guys if you enjoy podcasts give give them a follow then like the other big talking point coming out of this weekend from a south african point of view and the motor two race so usually on this podcast we don't cover motor two races i, I understand it but there was a massive i want to call it an incident i don't know what you want to call it whatever involving darren binder that's now gone viral and it is absolute it's a fucking disgrace there's no other way to put it. Did you see what happened? Um, yes, you did show me. I'm still not really clear. 
to what Baron really did. I mean, he was driving, he was in the inside, and I know there's been a whole incident about him pushing out Dixon, and I know there's been an interview, which in my opinion wasn't very professional, and I mean, a lot happens. There's a lot worse that happens to riders, and they're able to keep their cool and just keep it professional and know that this is the field that they're in, and there is incidents that happen. I think you were a lot more affected by this. Shanae saying I'm a lot more affected by this because I've become a proper Twitter slash internet troll when these things happen because I think I'm just extremely proudly South African and it, it, it really gets to me on my insides when stuff like this happens. Just just a recap for you guys who don't know, but I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast that's invested enough in MotoGP or Motorsport knows what happened. Jake Dixon went hot into a corner. Not too wide, but a little bit hot. Darren Binder was ahead of him on the inside line. Jake Dixon then pulled back and hit Darren Binder, slid off his bike, and he fell. He then, and people are saying, oh, but TNT shouldn't interview someone directly after incident. The emotions are hot, blah, 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 blah. I don't care how hot your emotions are or if it's directly after the interview. The stuff he said about Darren Binder is a, it's absolutely astonishing that the MotoGP board and the stewards and all those fancy acronyms allowed this person to say these things and they still haven't told him to apologize. He went on around saying, yo, this is how Darren Bender's always been. How many people has he cost a championship? He's a clown. How do you do that as a professional sports person? Do you know what I'm saying? Imagine, I can't imagine this in any other sports. And we're always calling for, for riders to be less media trained and less PC and just say how they feel. And it's great hearing someone say how they feel. It's just the absolute bummer that the shit he's saying is the biggest bunch of shit. If you say how you feel, at least speak facts, brother. You understand what I'm saying? Darren Binder had the dive bomb tag, and I understand that. But he had that in Moto3. In the meantime, he's been into MotoGP. Come out of MotoGP into Moto2. He's been riding more conservative because of that tag, I feel. And he hasn't done anything crazy in I don't know how long. And the first time someone else makes a mistake, then they just want to be like, oh, Darren Binder is the worst, Darren Binder is the worst. Jake Dixon, you're an absolute fucking cloud. I'm saying it now. I might might get hate for this. We just lost our six UK subscribers, but Jake Dixon's a clown. You heard it here first. I just feel that, yes, you are heated and stuff, but maybe that's why he's not riding a MotoGP yet, because he's got some growing up to do before he's... You know, in the link with the big guys, because obviously he still has an immature mentality about the racing. I agree with you. That was immature and that he's in in the talking to a Grazini seat next year. Maybe he's done one or two MotoGP races where he's filled in for guys. With that mentality, I can't think that a professional team like Red Bull KTM will look at someone like that and be like, that's the person we want. That was so cool. We love the fact that that's the type of shit he says. I think he cost himself dearly there, but I'm not going to go on too long about it. My heart won't handle it. I'm going to, it's Wednesday already. I should be over this by now, but yeah, let's uh, not, not go on about that for too long. Something else I've picked up. Have you guys noticed? Nobody cares about Mark Marquez anymore. Mark Marquez fell this weekend. Even Quattroro drove around and fought for level 12 and no media company, including us, nobody wrote an article, nobody thought it was strange. Have we just accepted that Mark Marquez is now a 14th, 15th place rider and nothing more? 
I think that's harsh saying nobody cares about him anymore. I mean, he is still the Mark Marquez and his name will be... Everyone's kind of accepted that this is going to be it for him until he gets opportunity to ride on a new with a new team. But, I mean, it is really unfortunate for him because I know there's still a lot of talent in that guy and for him not being able to show it. It's kind of getting depressive. Like, I don't think anyone really wants to be watching. It's like your grand getting dementia, you know. No one's really goes and visits her every Wednesday as they used to because no one can stand seeing this. <laughs> I don't know if that's all. That's a difficult analogy to make. That, that makes so much sense. No one wants to see Mark Marquez going backwards. And I think as a Brad Binder fan, I'm going to openly now make a statement that I've been scared to say and I'll say it. I've been joking around about Mark Marquez a lot. There's a lot of rumors linking to KTM and I hear a lot of fellow South Africans say that we don't want that to happen. And if we're honest about it, the truth is, is that if Mark Marquez goes to KTM, there's a very good chance that he'll be the first world champion on a KTM and not Brad Binder. Because at this stage, Brad Binder is the best KTM rider. And the only thing that's making South Africans salty about Mark Marquez going to KTM is the fear that he might overshadow Brad Binder. That, is, that feels like I'm in a therapy session right now. That is the open admission I'm making. But if you post anything about a rumor on Facebook, on any socials, okay, about Mark Marquez going to KTM, like you can you see the South Africans, we, KTM doesn't need him, we don't want him, all this stuff. And if you look at it, the facts of it is, is I think it's fear. Because Binder is the main boy now at KTM. Like Jack can't, we've established this weekend now, Jack can't beat Brad on a KTM. I haven't given up on him yet. It's just some technical difficulties with the bike, as always, is, is the main media response that we will go with. But talking about technical difficulties, what happened with Peko not even making the top three for the sprints? I'm, I'm going to sum this up in, in a very short way. Maybe not the best for, for podcasting, but I'm going to do it anyway. This is just a personal opinion. Peko being a uh, shit in the wet. There's, there's no technical difficulties. There's no big explanation. When the track is wet, pick up and gosh it. That's what I think. I might be wrong. Just in the ways are. Yeah. So the, the, the sprint race is obviously the sprint race is obviously a wet track, okay? And pick up and yard didn't do well. When it was dry on Sunday, it did well. It's a simple math solution. You don't need to be a rocket scientist. Pick up and yard shit in the wet. So it's not a front end problem with his um, bike, as his PR team gave. In the interview. No, I, th I think that's just a cover-up. I don't, I don't think he's PR team. I'll be like, listen, guys, admission time, pick up and I set on the wet. No, we can't do that. Yeah, talking about that, again, golf analogy heat up the next segment so nicely for me. I think I'm using all these golf analogies because I haven't played in a month, and yes, I blame you, Sinead, but anyway, let's not talk about that. Please go, because I could really use some Sinead time. A recap on the weekend. So let's talk about the sprints first. Alex Marquez, can you believe it? As soon as you silent the catty, your talent returns. Like Alex lost his talents with Honda. He silent. Now he's talented again. He's he's a world class rider. It seems like if you want to be a, a world class talent, all you have to do is sign it to get in our shop. Let's give the guy his, his due. Well done, Alex. So there's obviously the rain is actually when you see, and again, just personal opinion who's really, really talented because I think it takes a lot of 
balls because it's dodgy conditions and it goes on feeling and stuff. So then it equalizes the bikes kind of, not completely, a good bike, still a good bike, but I think the rain, you can see really who, who has the balls to go out there and put it on the line. Maybe he has ombrophobia, you know, extreme fear of the rain. Maybe it's a thing, you know. He needs some anxiety shots and then he'll do better. I think if there's really someone that has extreme fear of the rain, that's also dog shit in the rain. And I think he'd be the first to admit it. There's Mr. 22nd on the grid himself, Fabio Quattarara. Oh my God, going from a world championship to 22nd on the grid. He also just hated the wet conditions. So as I think... I think maybe I should take my previous statement. I don't think talented people win in the rain. I think it suits some people. It's, it, it doesn't suit other people. It's like different. Like Miguel Oliveira, last year's two race wins in the rain. Saturday, I think he, it was Sunday, he came from 16th and he finished 4th or 5th because it's like dodgy conditions. He started going better when it started raining. So it's just some guys that love riding in the rain. Nike, then going on with the recap, Sprint race, like I said, Alex Marquez for the win. Welcome back. We we glad you got your talents back after signing for Ducati. Marco Bezeki second, and Maverick Vinales third. I think Marco Bezeki now can be, even though he fell on on Sunday, and we'll get onto that, can be classified as the biggest title threat or title contender. I also want to say is that uh, I don't think he's going to be your title three this year. I think Sunday showed, and if you compare Sunday Bezeki to Aleish, that Bezeki is maybe still a little bit immature, impatient, just young. Maybe immature is the wrong word. Overly excited. Aleish also sat behind Bagnaya, but he did it for laps and laps and laps and waited for the right time to take the gap. Zeki pushed and pushed and pushed and didn't have the, the patience to just wait behind Bagnaya knowing that conditions might change, the tire might wear. And that, I think, to me, is just experience. I think Bezeki will get that right and you will learn from Sunday. And we saw Paco Bagnaya doing the same shit last year and the year before. It's just the right word isn't immaturity. I don't want to say it's immaturity. That's not right. It's just you. You over-eager. Call it what you want to call it. I, I, that's that's what I think. Um, yeah, well, I think, as you said, he was going to be the fan favourite to take the win. And um, I'm not really sure what happened in between there, but, I mean, Alex got ahead and took that away from him. Yeah, I still think he's a good rider and he has a lot of potential. And then, obviously, Maverick Vignoli's in third. Again, I'm going to get crucified. I don't know if we're going to gain or lose business on this podcast, but Maverick Vinales in third, I think, is more uh, omen to Aprilia being very good at Silverstone than Maverick getting any better than he was pre-season. I rate Maverick as a rider, but um, even pre-season, he's, he's currently mid-back. Someone needs to, like I said, Jack, fight for sixth and seventh. And I think this podium was because Aprilia was really good at Silverstone. Nike, then Sunday race, Aleish Espigaro winning, Pekka Bignaya second, and no, you know what? That's not how the result is. I don't care what the stewards say, the actual result is Aleish one, Brad Binder second, and Bignaya third because Bignaya touched the green and he was demoted. That's the, in my brain, that's the result, and I'm sticking to it. I don't care what the official results say. We spoke about it. Let's not get into it. Aleish showing his. Years and years of experience being the old toppy with Zarko in the grid, 
waiting for for Peko to make a mistake. And yeah, like we said earlier, I think Aprilia had a very very competitive bike this weekend. You saw, I think, a knife came from twelfth to an. Uh, Miguel came from 16th to 4th. Maverick was 5th. So, yeah, the Aprilia's was very good this weekend. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep it up at Austria at the Red Bull Ring. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, the Aprilia's going good. And Alasius Borgara using his experience all these years on that Aprilia to, to get the win. Well, I think the ageists are going to come for you because he's only 34, the guy. I mean, it's four years older than you. So are you calling yourself an old top already? Well, you have the gray hair to go with it. But I mean, poor guy. No, I really think he did really, really well. I mean, that takeover on Bangyaya was just like really extreme. And it was like really riding at its best. So I really enjoyed seeing that. 34 in a MotoGP paddock is like 64 in real life. Like, they're going to give Alasia Spolgo a walking ring one of these days. Is it like dog ears, but for race? Yeah, it's, it's exactly that. We we can use the dog ear analogy, like time seven, I think it is. So if we use the dog ear analogy, what what, what age is, is Alasia Spolgo? I think this week's podcast uh, name should be, how quickly can we get cancelled? Because we're just saying so much controversial shit. We're putting on 30 years. Uh, 30, 64. Yeah, that's what you're putting on. Yeah, 30. Okay, well, let's not get into the math. We're not a, a math podcast here. Going to do what all all motorcycle riders do and go ride cars. No, he'll start his own racing team. So that will be AE41 racing units. So look out for it in what you gave him as this is last year. Two years. Okay, so look out in 2026. For EAS41 racing team. Is it now EAE or AS? An AE. We're digressing now completely. No. So, uh, Alej, very, very well done on your race win. Bangnaya, well done on your third place. Brad, well done on your second place. Championship standings, then Nike, just the top six quickly. It's Bangnaya, Martin, Bezeki, Binda, Zalker. No surprises there. Yeah, that. Uh, that that was your weekend in Silverstone, Wallace. Um, Nike, I'm going to finish off my part before we get to your pick of the week. Just for some silly season news or rumors or what the hell ever you want to call it. I wrote down a few predictions or news articles or whatever the hell you want to call them that I think will happen. And some of them have already happened. So um, just a little prediction of how it's going to pan out any further. And if you guys agree, let us know in the comments on socials. If you don't agree, let us know what you think. So yeah, first of all, Zarko is going to Honda, I think. It's really been reported that he's in communications. He knows he's going to lose his Pramac seat. We've spoken about the old man on this podcast. Is Honda going to be para- paying for his hip replacement that he's going to need with all his falling? Good question. I want to be the beacon of Opia, play a little bit of devil's advocate. I think it's a good move. Maybe not for Zarko initially, but for Honda. Zarko needs a seat, point number one. Point number two, Zarko has been around for a long time. He's almost been on in every other motorcycle in that grid. So the experience, especially coming from Ducati, we've seen how big of a difference it made with Jack Miller coming to KTM. So maybe he can take some of that Ducati information to Honda and help these guys get back on track. So that I see it as a win-win, actually. Zarko doesn't want to go ride superbikes. He doesn't want to 
to retire and go ride cars like Rossi. I think there's still a little bit of kick left in that dog and he, he can really help underdevelop a bike that's worth it for future competitors and that's just a win-win for the sport. I think. The other one, Ruins confirmed going to Yamaha. I think that is also important. Ruins being the best in my opinion, even though John Mir won a championship. Ruins being the best Suzuki rider there was. Um, inline four engines. Yamaha's also inline four engine. Not a lot of those left on the grid. So I think Ruins has the potential to help Yamaha develop as well. Um, the Yamaha in previous years suits Alex Ruins' riding style where you get a lot of warning speed. So I think that's that's going to be a, a, a nice fit. Bezeki to Premac. Bezeki to Premac, I think, is almost guaranteed to happen. But there's a little bit of a spanner in the work. So from what we could gather is it was said that Bezeki can stay at VR46, but he can't get the latest spec bike next year. So that means next year, which is 2024, he'll be on this year's bike. But then he can keep his team around him that he wants. If he moves to Premac, he will get the latest spec bike, the same spec bike as Pekka Benyaya next year to make him more competitive. But he can't take his team, his engineer, the people with him. So it's a little bit of a catch-22. There's also now rumor surfing because, as everybody knows, Rossi is a Yamaha ambassador. And it's Rossi's team that, come 2025, Rossi, uh, the Rossi VR46 team might be moving to Yamaha. So they ride, might all be riding Yamahas. Um, that's not impossible. I think that's very feasible, actually. So you never know what's going to happen there, but that's that's for it. So I think for now, it's going to pan out. Pazeki's going to want the nearest bike. I think he's going to Premac. I don't see that going any other way. The obvious fit then, Paolo Ciobatti. Guys, we are terrible with pronouncing Italian names. Apologies. I think we just slaughtered that name. But he said on Friday that they Ducati would really love to employ Franco Morbidelli. So yes, Ranga Mobadelli is out of seat with Alex, Alex Renz taking his seat at Yamaha, but I'm 99% certain that Mobadelli will now end up next to Luca Marini at VR46. We all know that Franco is a VR46 Academy rider. He's a big mate of Rossi's and Rossi will look after him. So he's definitely going to VR46. Not definitely, but I'm 90% sure that this is how that will pan out. And then last one, I think Juan Mia is going to Grazini. Juan Mia is now foul off his Honda in 10 of the last 17 races. That's, again, bad math. 60-70% of races he just falls. So I think Juan Mia is going to do everything in his ability to get off that Honda. And I think he's going to end up at Grazini next to Alex Marquez. And that's what's going to happen. I don't think Jake... The Clown Dixon or Tony Obelino, I think there's too much talent inside MotoGP right now for any one of those you guys. A realistic option to move into MotoGP for next year. Nike, that's it from my side for just a little bit of transfer new silly season uh, rumors flying around for transfers. Ending off then, as always, your pick of the week, Nike. Who did you decide to chat about this week? I chose Maverick Vinales. So, first fun little fact. I don't know if you knew this, but he was not named after the Top Gun movie. He was named after the 1993 Ford Maverick SUV because his papa was a big fan of the car. I never gave it any thought. I don't think about Maverick Vinales, if I'm honest. But yeah, I don't think being named after a Ford car is the best thing in the world. His sister called Escort. 
And then I also saw that in July he welcomed his second daughter, Blanca, with his wife. So he's now a father of two daughters. So that would also be exciting. Well, congratulations, uh, Maverick. There's obviously nothing as great as being a parent, speaking as a parent. It being Women's Day and all, I'm going to be a typical male and just hijack your segment here. Let me give you a fun fact about Maverick Bignolis. Did you know two years ago he was a Monster Energy Yamaha rider? And then they had a fallout, him and Lynn Jarvis. And he actually tried to break the motorcycle on the track. He was so thoughtful of Yamaha that he was riding at the back in one race. I can't remember which track it was. But he just like revved the bike on the limiter, hoping that the motorcycle's motor would pop. And it was the first time in a very long time that uh, Yamaha or MotoGP team actually released someone in the middle of the season from their contract. And he joined Aprilia in the same season. So middle of the year, he switched teams. That things got so bad that he actually wanted, he tried to break the motorcycle. That's very interesting. He sounds like a very, you know, cool, calm and collected guy. Thank you so much, everyone. And Nike, keep well. See you in two weeks. Um, Yes, I'll be returning to this premises after my lawyer has told me it's safe to come back. Um, But yes, enjoy the week off and we will see you next time. Bye.